Pastor Xavier Rees says sheep need a shepherd, but the shepherd can't be sheepish. The servant's heart will be revealed in times of difficulty, comfort, prosperity, and times of chastening. But difficult times will reveal our dependency, our contentment, and our gratitude towards God, or our dissatisfaction and bitterness towards God. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 35. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Unfortunately, when God raises up a new leader, it quite often may require the removing of one as well. And this was the case when God called Joshua to lead the children of Israel into the Promised Land, when at the same time telling the faithful Moses it was the end of the road, so to speak. We've been working our way through a Simple Truth series in the book of Numbers, and Pastor Xavier continues today with a study titled, God's Appointment of Joshua. We want to look at the call of Joshua and the removal of Moses by God. God is the one who did both. Numbers chapter 27. Now Moses had been waiting for 40 years to enter the land. And all of a sudden they've arrived. But Moses was not going to be able to accomplish what he had dreamed about. He was going to see it, but never possess it. Moses would be taken home to heaven after he had seen the land. Moses' death would be as Aaron's death on Mount Horeb. In chapter 20, verse 22 through 29, that's where Aaron had died. Now, he calls Moses to die there. Look at the land, but you'll never possess it. Notice that the Lord stated the reason in verse 14. He says, For in the wilderness of Zin, during the strife of the congregation, he had rebelled against the Lord's commandment to hollow him before the eyes of the people. Remember that? The place of his failure was Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. The occasion was the strife of the waters of Meribah. That's what the word means, strife. The sin of Moses was rebelling against God's commandment to hollow him as he struck the rock twice rather than speaking to the rock. You see, he gave the understanding that he was giving water to the children of Israel, not God. What must I do, you rebellious children? Should I strike this rock to give you water? Moses was not giving them water. God was. He gave the understanding that God was mad at the people when in reality, Moses was mad. <laughs> In this case, the Lord removed Moses from ministry. It was God who removed him. Not the committee of Joshua. We already saw where Korah wanted to remove him. Notice, secondly, the Lord revealed Moses' heart through ministry, verses 15 through 17. Moses was a servant of God, submissive to God's proclamation, while his humanness was not concealed. Have you ever noticed in the scriptures that God reveals his people, warts and all? You see the flaws. You see the humanness. Here's a great disappointment. He wants to enter in. And he reveals that. And you find that in Deuteronomy chapter 3. Let me read that for you. In Deuteronomy 3, 23 through 26, it says, Then I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven and earth who can do 
anything like your works and your mighty deeds. I pray, let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, those pleasant mountains and Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me on your account. So here's his humanist too. He's blaming the people. And would not listen to me. So the Lord said to me, enough of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. Now with hindsight, I am sure Moses' sin at Meribah seemed foolish and senseless. Here he is on the top of the mountain, looking over. He's waited 40 years for it. And as he looks, his sin at Meribah seems so foolish and senseless. Oh, how we can identify that once we get to that place and we see what we've lost, we say, how foolish could I have been? Talk about disappointment. And at the same time, joy, because God's faithfulness that he would bring the people into the land. By the way, Moses did make it into the promised land. The Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah were there with Jesus. But not on this side of heaven. Some of us have forfeited so much and we'll never regain that on this side of heaven. But we will when we're with the Lord. Notice, secondly, Moses' petition. Moses' main concern was that there be a man set over the congregation. Verse 16. He wasn't thinking of himself. He was disappointed. He was crushed. But he was not thinking of himself. There will be times when you and I will be disappointed, we will be crushed, but we cannot get caught up with self. And that's what happens all over our life today, all over our nation. And I think marriages are a classic situation. People get caught up with their happiness, with their disappointment, and what happens, they throw away everything because they are caught up with themselves. And you know what? I have never talked to any person who has hung in there through difficulties, hard times in their marriage, or a person who has opted out of their marriage, and as they move through life, that I have asked them, let me ask you a question. Are you satisfied with the decision you made? Was it worth it? The person who hangs in there will say, absolutely. The person who did not hang in there will say, no. I should have hung in there. You see, obedience will result in immediate pain, instant. But God will turn your tears into joy. Tears are for a night, but joy comes in the morning. But your immediate choice to escape that pain through disobedience will result in a lifetime of worse pain not only to you, but to those around you. You think about it. You think about it. He was thinking of the people. Moses points out the purpose of that man. One who may go out before them and go in before them, which refers to warfare. He didn't want them defenseless. He was thinking of their protection. Most of the time, we're not thinking of others' protection. We're thinking of our own protection. Our defenses go up. 
and were thinking of self. Joshua had been the captain of the armies already, Exodus 7.10. Secondly, one who may lead them out and bring them in, which refers to the oversight and guidance of Israel's social life. Some direction, some guidance, some man to look to. His concern was for the people. The man Moses did not want the congregation of the Lord to be like sheep which had no shepherd. The metaphor is used throughout the scriptures to reveal the weak and vulnerability of God's people in the Old Testament as well as the New. There's nothing more vulnerable than to think of a sheep. I mean, they're just weak. They're open to pray. They're so dumb, they're, they're following the flock and they just turn around about face and they're looking the opposite way. They forget the flocks behind them. And they start, bah, uh, you know. And then they turn around, oh, there you are. You know, that, that's sheep. They drink muddy water. They get themselves in trouble. They get out by themselves. They get out of the pen. So the shepherd goes and breaks its leg, carries it on his neck for weeks. And that sheep hears the voice of the shepherd. And when that leg is healed, he puts that little lamb down. And that little lamb will never leave his side. Now, when you see him breaking the leg of the sheep, you say, how cruel. But as you see the end result, you say, man, that shepherd sure loved that sheep. That's a picture of God and you, God and me. Jesus used it often as people's condition, a sheep without a shepherd. Jesus said he was the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep in John 10, 11. The metaphors throughout all the New Testament. You see, Moses' heart was being revealed here. In the most critical time, he reveals his heart. You see his humanness, but you see his heart. Shepherd. The servant's heart will be revealed in times of difficulty. Comfort, prosperity, and times of chastening. But difficult times will reveal our dependency, our contentment and our gratitude towards God, or our dissatisfaction and bitterness towards God. The servant is concerned with the effect to and the benefit of the people. He owns up to his consequences, but his heart and his prayers are for the people. 1 Peter 5, 2-4, Peter says, Shepherd the flock of God, not by constraint, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. And when the chief shepherd appears, then he shall reward you. Paul said he would gladly spend and be spent for the Corinthians. But the more he loved them, the less that he would be loved by them. He knew he was the one to be responsible for the children, not the children for the parents. That's part of the call. That's part of the plan of God. That's important. And so we see the Lord reveals Moses' heart through ministry. God will reveal your heart, my heart. The Chinese character for crises has two meanings, danger and opportunity. Every crisis that you will face in your life, as well as myself, will have those two options. One will be a warning, danger if you make the wrong decision. The other one is a blessing, 
a promise, opportunity. But I'm the one that chooses. And God will honor my choice. I can never blame him for it. The Lord reveals Moses' heart through ministry. And so he does in your life and mine. The last thing we see here is the Lord replaced Moses in ministry. Verses 18 through 23. Notice first that the Lord is the one who chose Joshua. Verses 18 through 20. The Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom the Spirit is, lay your hands on him, set him before Elias or the priest, all the congregation, inaugurate him in their, in their sight, and you shall give him some of your authority that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. Joshua was a man in whom the Spirit of God was on. He was a man that God was already dealing with, a man who was a servant, a man who was called the minister, the servant of Moses. A man who was going out before into battle. God raised him up from the ranks. And I think that that is the true biblical way that God raises churches up and people that are going to be serving the church. God will anoint and raise up people from the body. Those who know the people. Those who are the people. Those who have a heart for the people. Joshua was to be taken by Moses and laid hands on to impart the position of the next leader. God had chosen him. Moses had not chosen him. Notice that Joshua was to be said before Eliezer the priest and all the congregation to be inaugurated or commissioned before their sight. They were to be witnesses. Everybody was to be in agreement what God was doing. And then in verse 20, Joshua would receive the authority of Moses in order that the congregation would obey him and not question his authority. I mean, God does it in such a way so that he can minimize difficulties. And I would imagine that Joshua was just overwhelmed. Overwhelmed as any pastor is who is used of God as he sees God adding to the church, as he sees God providing, as he sees God open doors, as he sees people's lives change, the man has to be overwhelmed as God does his work. Because it's a work that's beyond any man. Only God can do it. Notice, secondly, that the Lord declared his position distinct from Moses in verse 21. He shall stand before Eliezer the priest, who shall inquire before the Lord for him by the judgment of Urim. At the word they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the children of Israel with him, all the congregation. Joshua would have to go through the priest that he might inquire for him through the Urim. Urim means lights, and there's another phrase which is called a thuman, which is perfection. We don't know exactly what this was, but we know it was a means by which the priest sought the Lord and the will of God. Some believe it was a pouch on the chest of the priest, of the breastplate, and a white and a black stone. We're not positive. But we do know that it means lights and perfections. But notice here that Joshua would have to depend on the priest, not Moses. Joshua and the children of Israel would obey the priest and his word that came from God. 
and they would go out and come in. So now he would go through the mediator of the high priest. Moses went directly and had access directly to God. Chapter 12, verse 6 and 8. Remember when Aaron and Miriam had their little powwow? And God says, you know, I have prophets and I speak to them through dark similitudes and speeches, but Moses, face to face, nose to nose, no one like him. He was distinct. So Joshua was to take the place of Moses, but Joshua would not be Moses. Joshua would have the position of Moses, but Joshua would not have the privilege of Moses. So important. Often people go to the church and say, you know what, we, we've never done it that way. Well, good. <laughs> and they want that person to do it like the previous pastor or like something else. Well, he's not here. That's important. Notice thirdly, the Lord's word was obeyed by Moses in verse 22 and 23. Joshua was presented before Eliezer and all the congregation in verse 22, and then Joshua was commissioned by the laying on of hands. Obedience. You don't think Moses was heartbroken? You don't think Moses was disappointed? But you know what? Moses was obedient because he knew God knew what he was doing and he knew that it was the best for the people. What a lesson for you and I. Are you and your marriage ready to get out? Because you rationalize, say, well, you know, I mean, I can't see God wanting to be miserable in his marriage. I mean, you know, I mean, God wants to be happy. You want to give me a scripture for that? <laughs> God wants you to be happy? No, God wants you to be obedient. To what? To crucify yourself. Oh, that hurts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Obedient to die on the cross, man. So there's nothing left of you. That's your only hope for life. You want to enjoy life? Then crucify your flesh. Die to self. You will blow your mind how you will enjoy life. You know how you know you're enjoying life? Time flies. If time is dragging out, you're not having too much fun. A thousand years as a day. A day is a thousand years. That's to describe God's eternity. But isn't that kind of applicable to us? When you're having fun, man, a thousand years would be like a day. And when you're not having so much fun, one day is like a thousand years. You ever remember getting to work? You hate your job? You punch in, 9 o'clock? Oh, seems like hours. You look up, 9.05. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? You still got an hour and 50 minutes for coffee break. One day Samuel told Saul that God had rejected him from being king because of his ongoing compromise and disobedience and that the kingdom had been rent from him and had been given to another who was better than he, speaking of David. But Saul fought against it and he ended up, ended up losing his life. He knew it. He rebelled against him. He rejected it. God dealt with him. He killed him. Moses represented the law, showing that no one can keep the law perfectly, nor can it bring the people of God into the full rest of God. There remains still another rest, the rest of Jesus Christ, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. The law can never bring you into God. 
You may be sitting here this morning saying, well, you don't understand. I've been a good moral citizen. I've never committed adultery. I've never murdered. I've never done this. Good. Now tell me what you have done. People are always telling you what they haven't done. Have you ever had somebody come and say, you know what I've done? I've done this. Now there's some people that just kind of, you know, just come before you the first time and they just kind of just let everything hang loose and doesn't it take you by where you go? You're kind of shocked, you know what I mean? But we use the law to exalt ourselves when in fact the law accuses us. We have laws and traffic laws and civil laws because we're lawbreakers. If we weren't lawbreakers, we would not need law. The law cannot bring you into the promised land. The law slays you in the wilderness. You fall short. You fall just short one, you're guilty of the whole law, the Bible says. Therefore, there's none good. No, not one, not even you. All have come short of the glory of God. The law was a schoolmaster, a tutor to bring us to Christ, Galatians 3.24 says. But Joshua represents a type of Jesus who can bring us into the promised land to walk by faith depending upon God for the giants and the strong cities to be more than conquerors. The promised land is not a place of ease. The promised land is a place of giants, wall cities. A place of faith, trusting God. Where you come up against a fortress that is so mighty and you said, this thing will never do. We can't do it. And God says, you walk around it seven times. That's silly, Lord. Hey, just do it. It's a step of faith. It's a walk of faith. Only Jesus can take you there, not the law of Moses. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith, the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I can do all things through Christ Jesus, who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. All things, he strengthens me. Let me change that around. All things he calls me to do, because if he calls me to do, he calls me with strength. And he gives me that strength. He's not the author of confusion. You see, the Lord replaced Moses in ministry by choosing Joshua. No one else did that. God did that. God calls. God ordains. God removes individuals from ministry. Not man. We need to learn that. We need to trust God. And when their scriptures are clear, then we act on the scriptures and God will say, Amen, do it. And where the scripture says, leave it alone, then you let God take care of it in his own timing. The Lord removed Moses from ministry. The Lord reveals Moses' heart through ministry. And the Lord replaced Moses in ministry. And you know what? The children of Israel were better for it. They went on. And so will you as you rest on God. To let Him do the work in your life and in the church. Have your eyes on Him. Know the Word of God. Obey. And you will never regret it as you move on through life. But if you don't obey, you will regret it all the days of your life. There's too many case studies in the scriptures 
to warn us about that. I pray we learn. Pastor Xavier Reese has been walking us through the changing of the guard, so to speak, as we learn God maintaining leadership of the children of Israel with the call of Joshua. And just before we close, let me take these last moments to mention that copies of today's study, simply titled God's Appointment of Joshua, are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply God's Appointment of Joshua, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com